What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Long Game Podcast hosted by Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore. In each episode, you'll hear us break down financial topics that are relevant to the lives of millennials and other young professionals. Our goal is to help bring credible financial information to you in short, bite-sized episodes. Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore are the co-founders and financial planners at All Street Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and Trayton are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of All Street Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered advice. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the eighth episode of The Crossroads, a weekly financial show for our generation. And for the listeners, welcome back to the Long Game Podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to be breaking down how we invest our money. Yeah, I think before we even get into that, I I think we should celebrate a little bit of our milestone of eight straight weeks of doing this. Um, We're two months in. And I think in the beginning, I was kind of a little bit like, you know, what are we going to talk about every single week? And it really hasn't been a problem at all. I think this has been a super fun way for us to put out our content in a way that's other than written for the people that like to listen. So I had to at least celebrate milestones. I think it's a great thing to do, whether in your finances or content or whatever you're doing. Of consistency is hard. Consistency. Yeah, consistency is hard. And I think it's something we preach in finance, but it's also something that we preach in marketing and content that we've always stuck to. So we're celebrating that. But anyways, how we invest our money. And I think let's even take it a step further, like how we manage our money. Um, And I think that this is probably a great topic because most people are probably like, well, what does a financial advisor actually do with their money? Are they doing the same things as me? Are they doing the same things that we preach? And to be honest, I do the exact same things with my money that I teach my clients. I might, you know, there might be some clients that we have payoff debt before we go invest above the 401k match versus me, I might, you know, pay the minimum on debt and go invest above it because of risk tolerance. So there are certain things that we would do differently based on risk tolerance and personal beliefs, but the same overarching themes exist. So I'll kind of walk through everything from like how I manage cash flow to investing and so on. So the way that our business is set up, I mean, this is going into a lot of detail, but we are going to be an S corp. And so we pay ourselves a salary. And then the first step for me is understanding, Hey, if I'm getting paid $6,000 this month after expenses, I need to make sure that I'm saving for taxes. So this is a huge piece of advice that I would give for anybody that is 1099 or a business owner. Um, you do need to save for taxes. So I save about 25% for taxes-ish that I put into a high yield savings account. So when quarterly taxes roll around, I'm ready to go because I've seen so many times people don't do this their first year of the business. And then they have 20, 30, $40,000 that they owed to the IRS that they didn't know that they needed to. And now you're stuck on a payment plan. And that's honestly never the way that we want to go. So that is step one. So I've moved that money to my taxes account. The rest go to my checking account. And then I diversify out based on the goals that I have at that time. And so right now for me, the goal was let me max my Roth IRA. For me this year, I maxed my Roth IRA a couple months ago. So like that is completely taken care of, not something that I need to do anymore. And so then the next step for me is where do I invest my dollars above and beyond that? If I had um, some high interest debt, I would definitely go that route. But me personally, I don't. And so 
the next step that I go to is I split between crypto and my taxable investment account. So for those that don't know, a taxable investment account is just an account that you can invest in. You pay taxes yearly based on capital gains. If you sell dividends, all of that. Um, the nice part is you have the flexibility to use that money whenever you want. The downside is you don't have the tax-free or tax-deferred growth of those other accounts, which is why I use the Roth and 401k and, and those type of things first. Um, and so basically I just look at where my investments are at. And so I know that I want to have at least 80% of my money in index funds that are really low cost that have the right allocation between, you know, large companies and small companies and international companies and then value and momentum. And, um, and so I see where I'm at. So maybe if crypto is up a lot and that has become more than 20% of my portfolio, well, then this month, I'm really going to go to that taxable investment account and put extra money in. But maybe crypto is down and my taxable account is doing really well. Well, then I'm going to put a little bit more money into crypto. And so I really, I always have like an auto amount of money going to both. So let's say, for example, my surplus is $1,000 a month above my expenses. Well, right now, then I send about seven to $800 of that over to my taxable account. And then I spend, send the other about two to $300 over to crypto. And I just auto invest into the ones I believe in. And again, this is not investment advice. Like I'm not trying to tell you how to invest. I'm not trying to tell you to invest in crypto. I'm not trying to tell you to invest in index funds. I'm just relaying the information of, you know, what I do and, and what makes sense for me and what I believe in. And so as of now, I basically of that crypto part, I split it about 80% Bitcoin, 20% Ethereum, just because those are the two that I truly understand, the ones I believe and the ones that I can see a future in. Not to say there aren't a ton of other crypto assets or currencies that I think could do really well. I just haven't really fully got on board of any other ones where I feel like the money would be better allocated there. So for me, I, I think like that, that's really it. I keep it really simple. I just figure out, you know, hey, my monthly expenses are about $2,500 a month. I make this number. Here's what my surplus is. And then I figure out based on my goals where to auto invest those two. And again, I would always go to that Roth IRA first as long as I could. But then once that's away, um, I go and invest the rest. The one piece that I didn't talk about though is like, you know, if you're saving for a down payment of a house, or you're saving for like a ring for engagement or, you know, travel. Like those are all things as well that are built into my monthly expenses that I also automate and save for. So if I know I'm going to spend $5,000 a year on vacations and that's my goal, well, hey, I'm going to do 5,000 divided by 12 and I'm always going to be saving that $415 a month to make sure I can hit the goal that I have. Um, and so it's really understanding the balance between investing for the long term, the goals that you have for the short term, and how do you try to accomplish all the ones that you can. But for me, that's really, it's it. That's how simple it is. Um, what about you? How, how do you really handle it? Yeah. So before I dive into that, I was just curious, and maybe the list could help the listeners too. Um, where do you have your taxable brokerage account, like Robinhood, Public? Um, do you have any preference on that? So I have mine at TD Ameritrade just because that's kind of where I manage most of my clients' money. And so it made the most sense to be at a place where I really know how to use it. It's just, you know, I don't have to add another login. Um, I think there are a lot of really good places. So I'm not a big fan of Robinhood personally. So I don't, I don't really stand for a lot of what they believe in. I think they, they really helped create more access to investing, which is good. But the way that they've gamified it and um, just some other reasons, not really what I believe in. 
I would use public. It's probably the one that I like the most. I just haven't really ventured out to use another one. And then on the crypto side, there's a million different places that you could use. And I don't know if there's like a set one I love. I know for Bitcoin, Swan Bitcoin's really great. I can just set up an auto buy. It'll just automatically do it. Super easy to do. Um, but then with there, you can't really sell. It's only a way to buy. And, but again, like for those who are investing in crypto, like cold storage is really the best place to do it. So all these places are just a way to buy and then hopefully move to cold storage. If that's you, if you leave it there, obviously there's more risk to leaving it at the platform. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily have one that I would for sure recommend besides I think Swan, I use Coinbase, but I know a lot of people don't like Coinbase for customer service reasons. Yeah, I use, I use mostly Gemini. I also have a Coinbase one too. Um, Gemini is good. Do you, do you have a hard wallet for your crypto or is it? I do. I do. I don't have, I'll be honest. I don't have all of it on there and I need to fully get it on there, but like, I don't know if this is the conversation to get so deep into it, but it's just like, you know, then you move it to the wall and then you have the password and then I move every single year. So then part of me worries, like, what if I'm moving and I lose something? And so, but then there's like that Signa app or whatever that gives you that third authentication piece. And so like, I have all those things working on it. Um, but again, I, I do agree. Cold storage is probably the, the safest route for you to go. hundred percent. And I guess I think, this will kind of be an interesting episode because the way I kind of manage my money the past two, three years is not super traditional because I had kind of untraditional goals. Like I wanted to start a business out of college. So I, I knew that was going to kind of dictate and influence all my financial decisions for the next couple of years. Um, so when I came out of college, like the job I got, it came with a $2,000 signing bonus. And Good. as soon as I got that, I opened up my first Roth IRA, deposited that 2000 and just left it in there. Never, never added any more to it. I opened it at TD Ameritrade and just kind of started off my adult life with that very initial investment. And I think a lot of jobs are going to start offering more signing bonuses and just things like that. So if you're coming out of college right now and you have the ability to at least take maybe 25% or half of that money and just get started investing right away, like I would, I would definitely recommend that if, if it's possible, but going back to, especially if you have some savings, I think if you're graduating college with like, less than $500 in savings, yeah. maybe then you put 75% of savings, some to the Roth to start the habit. Cause we all understand how important habits are in getting started. But again, like that emergency fund piece is really important and overlooked. And I don't want people to then go in and like, you know, yeah. skip that piece to start investing because you know, that could be good, but it also, it could be your car engine goes out the next month and you're pulling that money back out of your Roth or you're swiping your credit cards. So we want to have that balance, but I, I agree. And I think you made that. That's a great step to start with. Yeah. Should have prefaced that with, I took graduation money and that became my emergency fund. So then the next money I got went into the Roth. Um, but like I said, that was all I ever really contribute, contributed to it for the next couple of years, because I knew I wanted to start a business. I knew I needed to have at least 15, 20,000 saved to be able to have a runway to be able to quit my job, not make money from the business for a while and still be okay. How did you pick that number? What makes you say 15 to 20,000? 
So I wanted about a year of business expenses, which I didn't really know what that was going to be. Like I kind of just estimated like 800 to a thousand based on this one blog post I read. So kind of came up with that. And then I knew I wanted a three to six months of my own personal expenses without having to do anything on the side, like DoorDash or pick up like yeah. a night shift at FedEx or Amazon or something like that. Um, so that's kind of where I came up with those numbers. And then it was just kind of working backwards from there, like broke down how much I needed to be saving each month within like the time frame that I did want to quit. And with that, I just set up automated transfers. I knew payday was every other Friday. So I would set up a transfer. I think it was, <clears throat> I think it was 750 or maybe it was like 500 every paycheck. So about a thousand a month. And that was just going straight into a high yield savings account. And that was really what my cash flow management was for the two years I was working that job was just funneling all the money I could into a high yield savings account because I had that short term goal. Like I couldn't, I mean, I could have invested that money, like maxed out my Roth, but then would have had to sell investments or I wouldn't have had enough money and would have had to work at that job longer. So I think like really knowing your goals before you start like messing with the cash flow, other than just like normal expenses and things is truly going to like dictate your success in whichever way you go. Like if you yeah. don't have a big short-term goal, then it's probably best to invest for the long-term, but it's like, if you don't really know when you start putting all your money long-term, then you're kind of in a bind in the short term. Yeah, I think that this is a huge point. And this is why I always recommend to people to not only work with an investment advisor, because what I've seen happen multiple times is people come in, they say, you know, I got $100,000 to invest. That's it. Like, hey, you go invest my money. But before you can even get there, and like with my clients, we don't even talk about money till or their money until halfway through the second meeting. Because at the end of the day, what they value, their goals are so important. Like if you met with an advisor and sat down, they said, you know, max your Roth, do these things, blah, 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 but they didn't know your primary goal is to start the business. You might've got to the point where business started. You didn't have enough of a runway. Clients weren't there by the point you wanted it to close doors, business failed because you didn't set yourself up to have the ability to have the runway to really build the business to what you wanted to get to. And I see it happen so often. And, and like, you can translate this to many other goals. It could be, Hey, I have a down payment of a house in a year. All right. Well, if you're going to buy a house in the next year, you probably shouldn't be paying extra towards your debt. You should probably shouldn't be contributing to your Roth. Like, yes, take your match and your 401k, but like you need to be accumulating as much money in this account as possible to give you the ability to buy the house. And if somebody doesn't know that's the goal, you might then go do your Roth and then you might increase your 401k and you might pay extra towards your debt. And then all of a sudden you go to buy a house with 3% down and now you don't really have the ability to because nobody asked what the goal was and prioritize that in that period of time. Exactly. That's, that's such a good point. And I think like, um, what was I about to say on top of that? Um, I mean, really the only investing I did outside of, um, that initial Roth deposit was last year. So I, I left my job in June of last year. And when the market dipped in March, I had never seen a market dip like that other than in 2008 when I was like 12 years old. So I was like, yeah. couldn't participate in that one, but I knew a lot of people made a lot of money by investing and buying the dip in that instance. 
And when I saw the market crash, I'm like, there's no like legitimate reason for this. Like it's just fear, uncertainty and doubt. So I did take a little bit out of that runway savings. I think I put like three, 4,000 into the market in March of last year. And I just sold it last month or a couple months ago. And it was up like two and a half times the amount that I put in just because I kind of recognized that signal and had enough money saved that I could kind of risk it and put it in the market at that time. So those are really the two like biggest investments that I've made so far. Um, I mean, only three years out of college right now and my portfolio kind of just like broken down is it's about 70% traditional and then about 30% crypto. So that's Bitcoin, ETH, a little Cardano, and then a couple NFTs. Hmm. Um, and that's just really my kind of cash flow and investments right now. Like nothing yeah. too complex. Like I don't have anything automated right now because income's just a little irregular. Um, but still, like if there's any any excess, it's either getting invested or going straight into my emergency fund. So yeah, pretty think, pretty basic. I think that uh, you and I probably like tilt riskier than almost anybody I know. But we live and breathe finance and watch the markets every single day. And like you know, the average person, you know, you have Bitcoin at sixty and it goes down to thirty is like panic selling. Like to me. I honestly, I, I saw it down. I'm like, oh man, I wish I had more money to buy, which is, is good. I mean, we have high risk, which, you know, high risk can equal high reward. That's the hope by taking that risk. But I don't, I mean, again, we're not trying to recommend anything here. I think 70, 30 is pretty close to what I'm at, which is more than the, the average person should for sure do. Like a lot of average people shouldn't even get into crypto because if you don't understand your investment, you're not going to hold on to it through tough times. And so the hard part about these last couple of years is watching some of these markets grow. There's FOMO and I wish I'd get in. And then finally people are like, oh my gosh, it's at 60. Bitcoin's at 60 now. Now I have to invest. And while I still believe Bitcoin has plenty of room to grow, then if you put it in at 60 out of FOMO, now we have another downturn to, you know, 45, then you sell. Like you're just, you're hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself by missing out if you don't understand it. And so I think that's like a really important piece. Yeah. And I think you made a good point with the just kind of being knowledgeable about the investments. Like we both kind of understand cryptocurrency. So it's like when it drops, we still have the belief in the underlying technology and like it's going to go forward over time, kind of just like investing long term in the stock market. Like if you're just looking at the day to day, yeah, that might be a little stressful if it keeps going up and down. But if you have a longer time horizon, the longer window you're looking at the day-to-day should never really matter if you have a 10 plus year time horizon for when you're actually going to need that money. Yeah. And I think that's also a really big piece because that is why my personal belief in how we invest for our clients is broad-based index funds. Because at the end of the day, like if you have, you know, 40% US stock market, and then you have 30% international and you have, you know, 10% small cap and, you know, whatever these are, you're literally just betting on the market. You're taking some research, understanding like value and momentum and small companies. But what you're saying is that like, Hey, I'm just investing in pretty much the market as a whole. And that is way easier to hold on to because at the end of the day, like I, I believe in a better future. I believe that the markets and like, we're going to, are going to like keep going versus if I invest in just Apple, you know, Apple's a great company. A lot of people invest in it because too big to fail too many good things. 
but like people said about Enron, I mean, I know it's a really far off case, but like, you know, what happens if, you know, Apple in five years, there's a new tech company coming out. They have really awesome stuff. Apple's down. And you're like, is this the end of Apple? Like, is Apple no longer that giant we thought it was going to be now, you know, it's a $2 trillion company. Is it going to lose market share and decrease? And at the end of the day, like it might. And so you don't know. And then you're sitting there in, in your head, you're just over and over like, should I sell? Is it the end? No, are we going to bounce back? Or what are we going to do? Which creates just so many more decisions to be made than, Hey, I've invested in the stock market as a whole. If it's down, it's because the economy is down. And then we're going to wait for the economy to bounce back up. That is easier to trust and hold on to than an individual security because there always are going to be new companies. Like Sears was amazing 30 years ago. And like, there's all these places that were amazing and they've just completely gone down over that time period. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that. Like I definitely recommend kind of broad-based index investing if you're going for the long-term, but if like you have some extra play money that you want to just mess around with, like, buy those individual stocks or individual cryptos that you believe in and don't think we're going to get to the reader question this week um i feel like this was a good conversation and like long and i think very informational i think this is a really great conversation more advisors should be having i think too many advisors are scared to give out information like oh if i tell them all my secrets nobody's going to want to work with me but i think it's the opposite i think by us telling how we handle our money. It actually allows us to identify with people who are looking for an advisor that has the similar beliefs to them and is going to push them to do things that they don't want to do. Um, and so I think this was an awesome conversation. I think this is one that we should post more than one time. And we could probably get a bunch of small videos out of this. So just like handing cash flow to then like, you know, investing in different things we believe in to like why not why we pick more so index funds than individual security. So I think there's a lot of good pieces from this one. And also just the goals piece, like your piece of like me and you could be the same profession, same business goals, but like where we were at, we were working on two completely different things and philosophies. And that's why personal finance is personal. And yeah. And like most advisors probably like, you'll probably never hear another advisor say that they're not investing in their Roth IRA and that they didn't really invest and do these things. Like they might not be doing that, but they're probably not going to talk about it because they don't want to paint that picture. But I'm like, that's just like my honest situation. That's how I am right here today is because I made that decision, prioritized my goals and just pursued it. And here we are. Basically come come to the long game or crossroads and we'll be authentic and we'll tell you the truth about what we do and why it could make sense for you, why it would not. And again, none of these things that we're necessarily recommending, we're just telling you straight out exactly what we do with our money. So um, thanks everybody for listening again. Um, If you really like our content, please go like, and subscribe and even share our content on social media. We love just helping educate young people and learn more about money. Um, And so thanks for being part of our audience.